Ott van még Nikolic, Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben, gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo, Loik, bravo, Lolikám, Lajos, szép gól volt! Sallai, azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte, Nikolic bent középült, könyves. Szoboszlai, könyves szép helyet csinált neki. Szoboszlai lő, gól! Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Hungarian Football Podcast and this week it's another international special as we round up the last week's action that took place in the World Cup qualifying. Joining us as ever is Chris Barrett from over there in the United States. Hi Chris. Hey Gabby, how are you man? Very well, thank you sir. And from the good old UK, it's Tom Mortimer. Hi, Tom. Hello, Gabby. And myself, Gabby Kovács, I'm going to be steering this ship towards open season, hopefully not towards some rocks. So let's see how we get on with that one. Um, as we said at the top there, it's been an absolutely fantastic week for Hungarian football. Um, Chris, we started off uh, facing Poland in Budapest. Yeah, that was, um, I think that was the one we were all looking forward to, uh, to sitting down watching, knowing that that, that was really going to set the expectations and the pace of this whole campaign. And uh, man, within six minutes, uh, I think we were all a little surprised, shocked, elated. Um, Attila Fiola set uh, Roland Shalloy free into the box, and I think we were all kind of holding our collective breaths when he scored. Um, you know, and, and you had um, Poland trying to impress with uh, Paulo Sousa at the helm, just freshly appointed there. Um, and then uh, if that wasn't good enough, uh, Poland just poured it on. It looked like Chaloy uh, continued to, to kind of dominate up front. Um, and we were kind of expecting Hungary maybe to be holding on for a draw the entire game. But, uh, but I think that really woke everybody up. Uh, Lavrentius had a shot from the edge of the area about 15 minutes later. Uh, that, go, that ended up going into the keeper's arms, and Poland seemed to be on their heels as Hungary had their tails up, and that lasted all the way to halftime. And then uh, we got shocked again. 2-0 early in the second half when uh, Adam Shalai, uh, sorry, Salai poked home from the uh, edge of the six-yard box, and uh, we really struggled to contain ourselves um, as all the comments were pouring in, and it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, and it was all looking really flowery until about the half-hour mark when Piatek and Kamil Jozwiak delivered a one-two punch in the gut that looked to sap the strength of Rossi's side. Uh, Joswiak's goal especially uh, looked like he was allowed to run in behind and finish across the face of the goal, uh, really with, with no defending, um, and it was 2-2. Um, uh, then I thought one of the funnier things, uh, Adam Long uh, got booked for inadvertently, quote-unquote, punching uh, Lewandowski in the face. Um, and uh, no, it wasn't as violent as it as I'm making it sound out, but he definitely got a hand to the face. Um, and uh, and then then Willy Orban put Hungary back in front, three to two with 13 minutes remaining. And I think we are all I don't know. I guess we are split. We are either all waiting for the inevitable 
uh, equalizer or um, just hoping beyond hope that uh, we could pull off all three points. But uh, Poland battled back, obviously. And who other than uh, Lewandowski to level it with seven minutes to go? Um, with a, really, with all the time in the world there, turning on the ball and firing in to the upper corner with his left foot. So there we had it. Lots of excitement. Big game. Uh, and just the way you and I uh, said it was going to happen. Right, guys? Yeah, the crystal ball was certainly working for that one. Um, a bit of a sickener, though. You know, it's like, don't get me wrong, this is an absolutely fantastic result. And the history books will forever show it as being 3-3 against Poland. But... Tom, it feels like two points lost as well. Yeah, that's how I feel, uh, how I felt about it after the game and how I feel about it now, to be honest. I don't think my opinion's changed. Um, Poland was just kind of there for the taking. And, um, and to be fair to Hungary, we did take them, essentially, for, for 60 minutes. I think that's as good as I've have potentially ever seen Hungary play. I thought I thought we were outstanding. Um, we we were so comfortable, which makes that um, punch in the gut, as Chris says, like even more uh, difficult to take because it just came from nowhere. And like even looking back on it now, it it just it just it's really it's really quite disappointing because you, you talk about that game like oh we were great we were great but like you, you can't you just can't switch off at this level and that's the difference like we switched off for two minutes against a, a team that have got very good individuals in in the side and and we saw what would happen what, what can happen I thought it was pretty impressive how we came back after that because um, I thought for all the world we were going to end up losing three or four two um, but for to come back and and get a goal and, and go back ahead was super impressive. It's just again a shame that we we didn't hold on to it and just didn't see Lewandowski in the box. He was completely alone. I mean, it was a hell of a finish, but why he had that much space in the first place? It's really annoying. Um, yeah, it, it and the whole result is just annoying because we kind of we kind of needed to win. Um, and especially when you when you tune it up, you've you've got to be disappointed. It is it? I mean, before the game, I'd have taken a three-three, I'd have taken a draw, and I think we all said on the pod we, we think it is the game is going to be a draw. But um, after the game, when, when you two tune it up and uh, three talk with ten minutes to go, it's uh, and it's not like we got ahead by by luck. We were more than deserved to be to be in the lead and to be. Uh, cruising, which we were, um, yeah, really quite disappointing in the end. We, we said in the preview how key the midfield would be. Um, Adam Nodge and Lazlo Kleinheiser put in absolutely magnificent performances that game. They, they were unfaultable in, 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 in my eyes. Um, how do you think we set up defensively? Do you think we were good enough players-wise that we, that we um, selected? Um, I think we started. Uh, I think for the most most of the game we kind of were. We 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 seemed comfortable. It's just it's just, it's just that uh, that five that two minute spell because I can't think of um, unless well correct me if I'm wrong but I can't I can't remember Galachi making a save in the game. I even before the uh, before the two goals or 
after the two goals. I can't remember. I can't remember making a save. So I think the the problem came when was through Hongya. Um, like all the goals came from his side, and I know he, he went off in in the second half, and uh, um, and it was Fiola's in the end who was in that position. I think we we kind of just are short at left wing back without Holland there. Um, who <laughs> I mean, he's not really a left wing back anyway, and he's not particularly great. But there's no one else really there. Like this, there's no one else we can really pick at left wing back. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely a problem position. Um, Chris, what do you think? We we didn't we didn't seem to miss um, Dominic Soberschlei at all. Uh, not in this game, for sure. Um, I mean, it obviously, would have been nice to have seen him pop up in the 91st minute with with another wonder goal from somewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, like Tom said, it it seemed like they were so comfortable for so long in this game. And um, it was really a delight. I mean, we, I think we've been used to uh, games like this where um, we've kind of been gritting our teeth and maybe expecting, uh, you know, something bad to happen. But, but watching them play, and I think you're right, Tom, I don't, I don't think that um, uh, Galashi made a, made a save or even, you know, really had any nervy moments until that almost the, the hour mark. So um, I, I really feel like the team, the culture, um, everything that Rossi has put together has uh, um, has really kind of united and gelled th- these guys together. Whereas hopefully, someone like uh, um, you know a, a star player uh, like Sobosly or, or maybe even the summer, as we'll get into later, uh, Kalmar missing is uh, isn't going to be that big of a deal. But uh, you know, here's to hoping. Uh, they looked really good, I thought, against a good Poland team away from home. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, Tom, is that they did look really good. I think the balance of the team was especially good. Um, and again, talking about Nodge and the defensive work, and he had the highest passing rate for us and everything. Where do you think you would have fitted Dom into that side? Yeah, and, I, and like you say, I thought Kleinheiser was awesome. Um, I loved his energy. I loved his, uh, the way he took the ball up, up the field, um, which... Um, I guess Nodge doesn't really do because he kind of sits in front of the defence but to ha- kind of have a very similar type of, of player in in many respects, not identical of course but like Kleinheiser is that kind of low centre of gravity quick across the floor um, kind of player to take us forward, I thought that really really helped and I thought he was awesome actually um, and I think, I think you would have probably played him instead of Colmar, I guess, but like Colmar's been classed himself, so like, um, it, it really, really wasn't a loss. Um, like, and I said that after the game as well that like, we scored three goals. Like, the the, the loss was definitely not not Sobosly. Um, and it goes back to your question that you asked before the, um, before the um the, the three games like. Will we fit Sobosly back into the team? Um, I, I mean, he obviously will now because Colmar's out of the Euros. Um, but yeah, it would have <laughs> it would have been interesting um, to see like how, especially if Colmar had continued his amazing form because in the in the other two games as well, he was well against San Marino changed changed the game when he came on. I know it's only San Marino, um, but 
yeah, it would have been really harsh to drop one of those three, four Sobosai in the summer, but it's not going to be a position that Rossi's going to be in anymore, unfortunately. No, and it is sad. It was a, a, an awful injury. Obviously, we'll get to discuss that in a couple of games' time. Um, but from from like I say, you got you know, it's, it, it is like one of those that you say is hard to take. It's it feels like two points lost, but I, I can't help but feel positive with it. Um, we've scored three goals, like you said, against Poland. England put two past them, and they were you know very very close to getting a good result um, in England as well. It, it it just feels like it. This is like special to me. The fact that we've drawn three-three, the manner of conceded. If we'd have drawn three-three and not conceded those goals in a minute, I think it would have probably felt a bit, a bit better. It was just that that minute of madness, really. Um, yeah, Tom, I think you're right. Like, so, sorry to just cut across, but but I think I think you're completely right. Like the fact that we that I am so disappointed is just amazing. That like we 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 took. Poland that close uh, and dominated them for for massive like at least sixty minutes of that game until those goals. It it just kind of shows how far we've come to be honest. And like you say, Poland go to England and give them a really good game at Wembley. Like it it makes you think what what could we do when we play them in England in September? Yeah, and that's the thing now. I don't think we have any fear at all. I think this shows that you know, as the best that we can be. Obviously, the next games we'll discuss were, were completely professional um, performances. And again, international football just seems to have stepped up a gear. Even the minnows, are, you know, n- no being not being disrespectful to call them minnows, but they're far from being minnows now. We've seen some incredible results in this in this World Cup qualifying um, week. And, uh, you know, this this is hungry. This is the, the team that lost to Andorra. Um, you know, not so long ago, it, it's you know, it's still in my memory banks. Um, and being my age, having something like that in my memory is really, really impressive. So it must have been close, you know, to, to where we are today. But yet we've scored, say, we scored three goals against them. It just seems as well, Tom, that there's always someone who steps up. And in this, it was it was Roland Salai. Salai, he's he's his goal was incredible. It was kind of almost like. Um, European Championship esque against Austria. Yeah, and the, and the ball to Shalai for the for the goal as well from Fiola was class. Like I thought Fiola was awesome in that game. He was playing almost like a like Lota Mateus at the back, like stepping out of defence and um, setting up attacks. Obviously setting up the goal, and he he, he was do, he was doing it on more than a, a few occasions. I think it was just when he went to left wing back, he he struggled a bit. But like you say, Shalai was awesome. Um, and Shalai's in great form as well in the Bundesliga at the moment. Um, it, it's like you say, yeah, people step up at these different separate occasions. Like Kleinheiser has been out of the squad um, pretty much since the Euros. Like he's obviously been in here and there, but like he's not, it doesn't feel like he's been a permanent fixture ever since that Euros, to be honest. Um, but now, like he steps in there, and it's like how how do you play without him? Um, because even even in the games where we didn't have him, uh, in the, especially in the San Marino game, like we were struggling for creativity, and then he comes on and and, and changes that in, in a little bit. Like, um, yeah, it's kind of it's really going well at the moment. Like these next two months are gonna, well, this next month or yeah, two months are gonna be interesting because it's gonna be uh, where players have to step up because of the Euros. But in terms of form, like, everyone seems to be in good form at the moment. Mm, very much so. 
And Chris, we saw um, the changes made, like just not long after the hour mark, with um, Nigo and Lang coming on, um, replacing Hanya and Lovrenchic. Um, not so long enough to kind of make an impression, but we really didn't see kind of too much from them, really. Yet we kind of still went on and scored a goal. Yeah, no, um, Nigo coming in for for Hanya. Um... And then uh, Kalmar coming out. Um, I, I feel like they were, um, you know, it was it was the right time for them. I do think that, um, uh, you know, Long's uh, uh, insertion uh, was good. He brought in a little bit more uh, physicality and bite. I do think it was funny that he did get a, a yellow card for that little um, uh, incident with Lewandowski. But, um, you know, all told, I feel like the game was managed well. You know, and uh, I, I don't really know if there's there's much else to say other than the fact that uh, we would have we would have been begging for this result, um, you know, before. Uh, I even felt like when we were making the predictions, um, you know, asking for a point from this game seemed a little bit, um, uh, you know, like positive <laughs> to, to think that we could actually get a point. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I'm with you, Tom. I, I, I feel like. Looking back on this, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it was uh, a little disappointing. But I think looking back on this now after a week or so, um, I, I, I would think that you'd have to be really satisfied to get a point in Poland and really hope for the fact that they're pulling things together and that they, they can um, perhaps get uh, more points that we thought we couldn't get as this campaign continues. Mm, and. We obviously spoke about the threat of Lewandowski, um, you know, just proves give him space and, you know, he'll, he'll get you a goal. It's an incredible finish, really, really good goal. But Tom, up to that point, we, we kind of kept him quiet. Um, job done, some might say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I tweeted at the time with about 20 minutes to go, I was like, Lewandowski has been suspiciously quiet like we know he's going to have an impact on this game before it was out and unfortunately he did um but yeah like he was coming really deep to get the ball like he was get he was like I guess visibly getting a little bit frustrated by doing that instead of I mean we kind of know him as staying very high up top and then just banging in the goals but I guess maybe he need he felt like he needed to try and get involved in the play because it's just nothing was happening for him like Defensively, we were just awesome. Um, we defended quite deep, in, in especially in comparison to Poland, because they played really high, as, as evidenced by Shalai's goal. Um, but we, we defended deep, and then as soon as the ball went into Lewandowski, our players were around him immediately, and it was the same if the ball went into Milik. Like, th- there was just no space for them to operate in between the lines, in between our lines. Like, it was just it was just perfect the way that we were set up like with the like basically bank of five and then three um shuttlers in in between them and because Nodge and Kleinheiser can uh, cov- uh, cover the ground so fast like there was just nowhere for uh Poland to to operate in and it, it's just really impressive like the way that we were set up um and and it's not like we didn't pose a threat on the counter as well. Like we, the way that Rossi has uh, marshaled this team is it, just super impressive. Um, 
I, I think that's why when we played against San Marino, it, we struggled for for such a long period because it was such a a role reversal, really. Because we when we played against Poland, obviously we had to sit back and and look for spaces on the counter. Whereas obviously against San Marino, we're playing against a team who just got ten players in front of the in front of the um, area, and that's not always easy to play against. Um, so. Yeah, but but going back to that Poland game, I think it's just I think it's just awesome. Um, and y- you wonder, like, because we know Istvan Beregi um, on Twitter, and I guess we all most of the uh, listeners know him as well. And we know how knowledgeable he is through his articles, and he, we've had him on the pod a couple of times, and um, his tweets and stuff. And with, with him having such a role in the in Hungarian team, you wonder how much of an impact. He has actually made on this team and, and the way it's set up tactically. Yeah, um, because I mean, obviously Rossi and his coaching staff have got a lot to do with that. But then Istvan is is a kind of a tactical genius, and is that what's being evidenced at the moment? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it, it, a very very valid point. Um, Without, without any doubt, yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe we should get him back on the show and, and, and discuss that a bit more. Maybe we can give him some praise that um, that he's definitely deserving there. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, so guys, at, at the end of that, we, we came away um, deflated, elated, whichever way you felt. Um, it's in the history books now. So Chris, next was a trip to San Marino. Yeah, perfect time to go to uh, to Italy, right? Um but uh, um, I think, you know, as Tom mentioned, I think that that was a completely different game um, going into San Marino. I think with the expectations, the high expectations of winning, but not just winning, but winning handily. Um, and things looked really good. Uh, Twelve minutes in, uh, Shalloy was tripped up by um, Manuel Battistini and a uh, penalty was awarded that was uh, uh, neatly put into the bottom corner by Adam Shalloy. One nil. Uh, another penalty was awarded on 20 minutes. As uh, um, I also love this, the, the the free kick where they have a guy laying down underneath it to, to block the high ball. Uh, I'm sorry, the low shot. But then the uh, the high ball was um, uh, hit the outstretched hand of one of the defenders on a on one of those close range free kicks. Uh, this time, um, <clears throat> sorry, Roland Chaloy. Uh, really, it was kind of a weak penalty saved by um, Ilya Benedettini, who is the uh, Chesena's goalkeeper there in Serie A. Um, uh, really good, strong save, but I, I don't think it was uh, that great of a penalty. Um, uh, Chalet got onto a, a long ball and headed over at about the half hour mark. And then, and then Attila Chalet, uh, or Salai got uh, his head to a long free kick in the box, but he also got underneath it and skied it over. And it just kind of looked like um, it, it wasn't happening for them. Uh, they weren't uh, in any sense at all, uh, under any pressure by San Marino, but, uh, but they definitely weren't finishing their chances. It definitely weren't carving them open. Um, early in the second half, um, Adam Salai was played into a really good shooting position. Um, but then Dettini d- denied him again with a, with a really alert save, uh, 65th minute, uh, Klein, uh, Klein Heisler, who, who I thought really had another really good game. Uh, he he kind of held his head in his hands after missing with what I thought was a very scorable ball. Um, this one uh, came over the top from from Kalmar. I really felt that he should have buried, but his attempt went well wide. Um, 
And then uh, Roland Chalet did make up for his miss uh, in the 71st minute when he headed home a, a long looping cross by Bodka back across the goal um, for 2-0. Uh, Kleinheiser missed from the edge of the area again. And then another really incredible break for San Marino. Kalmar's header was cleared off the line uh, by a bicycle kick um, in the 83rd minute. And then Chalet again was there. He was able to get to the loose ball and force really just a top drawer save from the San Marino keeper. Um, Hungary were awarded a, a late penalty that was buried by Nikolic uh, to give them a better score line. Um, and uh, again, out of this, this game was never really, uh, at least the result of this game was never really in doubt, but um, um, I feel like it just kind of dragged in some ways and uh, maybe could have been better, but I think overall job well done. Um, I think Klein uh, played really well. And um, uh, again, uh, Shalai just showing his good form in uh, being a constant threat up front. Thanks, Chris. Um, Tom, it, it was seven changes um, from, the, from the team that faced Poland. So obviously there was that kind of upset in the balance of the team again. Um, quite a few of these players didn't really cover themselves in glory. Um, and, and again, San Marino, I thought, were absolutely fantastic. I thought they defended brilliantly. Their goalkeeper was excellent, um, as he was against England the, the, the you know few days before. We um, said there, it was quite a tough performance to watch. Although we got the job done, and, and you know, professionally, and, and, and it was exactly that. Got the job done, got the three points, and got out of there. Um from the players that came in, Tom, who's who's kind of got got your um, caught your eye? <laughs> Good question. Um, I think at most it was Gosdog. I I don't think he particularly covered himself in that much glory, but I think he was better than the rest because, to be honest, the the players that came in weren't great. Like you say, um, we kind of. We struggled for a long part. Like you say, San Marino did defend well. And, and they the way that they play is, is all, like I say, it's is tough to tough to play against because they, they've got 10 men behind the ball and um, they're, they're set up well and they, they know how to play their, their kind of game. Um, so it's never going to be pretty. It's just the players that came in, especially Sherry, um, like he's technically a great player, but like he just wanted too many touches and was, and and that was our problem, especially in the first half. We just want everyone just wanted too many touches, t- taking touches for the sake of it. And you could see as soon as Colmar came on in the second half, that changed straight away. Like the players were play, he he was taking a, a most two touches um, to play the ball, and it um, it was just moving it so fast. And everyone was doing the same, actually. Like it looked like Rossi had just told them half time. It's basically three touch, and if you, if you, as soon as your third touch, just move the ball, because at least that way you're moving the defense out of out of their shape. Whereas if Sherry's just got the ball and he's taken about seven touches, the play, the San Marino players aren't going to move. They're just going to watch him and just be like, okay, we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you do that as much as you want, mate. Um, and yeah, I think that was the frustrating thing, and I'm sure. Rossi, well, you could you could tell in the second half we we did start to move the ball faster, but that only lasted for maybe fifteen minutes, and then again we kind of got lulled back into that kind of slow, methodic kind of just passing it around for passing its sake, and and that's the 
like you see it all the time in in the Premier League with some like say Man United are playing against West Brom, uh, West Brom do this and put ten men behind the ball. United for like ten minutes or so, they'll play it really fast and then they'll just they'll just forget to play at the ball fast and they, they kind of just pass the ball for un, for passing sake because it's so easy um, just having having the ball there. But like you, you have, you, you, if you want to move these sides, you've got to move the ball fast. And that's what Colmore did really, really well when he came on. And Kleinheiser too, to a certain extent. I think Gosdog did kind of do that, but um, maybe he was a bit safe with his passing. I mean, he's not played many games for Hungary, so you, you can let him off. But at least he kind of tried to move the ball fast, whereas other players, I didn't, I didn't think Kevin Varga had a good game. I didn't think Sherry had a good game. I didn't think Nate. I thought Nago was actually quite bad. Um, and obviously, him and Sherry both came off at half time. Um, so yeah, I don't think anyone really covered themselves in glory. I, I, to be honest, I think someone like Sherry will be well because Kalmar is now injured. I, I think he will retain his place, but someone like him is going to. Going to be kind of lucky to to make the the national team squad in in the summer now. Remember, we've got obviously Solbos like to come back into this into this team, so people will miss out. Yeah, and as you say, for me, looking on, it was almost as if these players were were that, that came into the team were looking to show themselves as individuals, almost like show off to Rossi and show, look, this is what I can do, rather than what Rossi wanted to see you do was stick to the plan, do the simple things. But they kind of like went off on a tangent from that. I mean, it's quite telling that out of nearly, you know, seven and a half thousand votes on Nemzeti Sport for player ratings, highest um, rated player was Willie Orban. Um, Cherry came bottom of the pile now for to, for, for to, to say to someone looking on our centre half got the man of the match against San Marino when we won 3-0 it's quite bizarre to think of really isn't it <laughs> yeah and yeah and that says it all really um I I guess maybe like Palmar wasn't higher because he, he was only a sub but um yeah I, I can't particularly remember all that doing too much. I mean, I'm sure he did a lot of, uh, probably had a lot of passes in that game, and same with Vatola Zalai. But um, yeah, it, it, those games are never pretty, uh, and you never win out of them. If you win 10 0, you kind of almost expected to win 10 0, and no one's going to give you any respect for winning 10 0. If you win 1 0, it's not good enough. If you win 3 0, it's probably not good enough either. If you draw 0 0, obviously it's absolutely horrendous. So all you want from those games is to win them and then get out. Um, cliche intact. Hopefully, a few goals under your belt. Um, but yeah, don't 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 sweat it if you don't win ten nil. No, absolutely. And Chris, um, what did you feel like? Obviously, San Marino and Andorra uh, again, absolutely no disrespect to them at all. They're weaker opponents from us at this you know present time. The fact that we rotated that team so much, where we've got obviously two more. Um, friendly games coming up in June before the European Championships. Wouldn't you have seen these as potentially excellent opportunities to see what our first choice team can do? Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of feel like um, you're you've got a lot of tough decisions to make, obviously, as a manager, and you're trying to keep players that are spending a lot of time. Um, 
coming into the national side, spending time away from their club and their families and all that kind of stuff. And to have a game like San Marino um, really kind of is like a friendly, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> um, and as, as, as Tom mentioned, to, to have your top players who, you know, week in and week out have to make decisions within, you know, a split second to come in and, and sit on a ball and, and have all the time in the world to, to really kind of muddle up their whole thought process of, you know, I'd rather be in a very high intensity game where when I get the ball, I let my instincts go, you know, that pass, I already know who I'm passing it to before I get the ball, not sitting on the ball and wondering, okay, I've got, you know, 30 minutes to figure out what to do. Um, so I, there, there might just be some wisdom in, in not letting them, you know, have what would really just kind of be a training exercise. Um, could they put a few more goals in with, um, with some of their, uh, top players? Yes, possibly. But, um, you know, I think this was good. Um, I, there, there's, 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 I don't think there's a right answer, honestly, if I, you know, just to answer your question straight up, but, um, I, I kind of felt like this was good for the club in terms of, or the, the team in terms of, um, chemistry, cohesiveness, getting some guys on the pitch and allowing Rossi to see what they can do. Um, I don't think he could have made a bad decision, uh, in, in who he played, uh, necessarily, unless somehow the whole thing went pear shaped, but, um, you know, I kind of feel like, as we mentioned before, the job got done, clean sheet, three points, move on to the next one, and uh, no injuries. That was another big one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's look at the fact that England, with uh, hundreds of millions pounds worth of uh, players, put five past them. Um, and, and yet we've managed to do it. We've put three past them without particularly performing very well. Um it's just one of those nights, Tom. It's it's all about the result again. Yeah, exactly. It it, it really is, and it and I guess the flip side of that, um, not playing your best team, you, you kind of you're giving opportunities to players to make a mark and say, hey, take this chance, and then you might be in, in with the chance of, of making the first team in the Euros, and no one really did that. So I guess for Rossi. Um, it's kind of also good in that respect. He's he's kind of seen from some players that he maybe can't trust them. Yeah, that, that's um, very very true indeed. Um, I think we all know the core of the team that that that's going to be there, and it's up to these guys, like I say, in these games to to try and show something. Oh, I say all I want to see is we know what you can do individually. Um, but a player like Soboslai being able to do what he wants to do individually gets us results. Um, but, you know, I feel like these others need to just be so disciplined. Adam Nodge, again, an, another example of, of the kind of player that he is. How he can't do that for Bristol City is beyond me because he, he he's just class play. Maybe they don't let him do it, but Say when the way Rossi got has got them playing is is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Chris, from there we made the journey over to Andorra. Yeah, I mean, um, in a lot of ways, this was, was kind of a cleansing. I know that we've seen a lot of really good um, performances from this Hungarian team, but I don't think any of us will forget the time um, a couple of years back where where we lost to Andorra and just how low we saw Hungary drop. And so for them to kind of get back on the pitch with them, um, I think we all expected it to be a comfortable win, but it was thoroughly satisfying just to not just win by one or two, but to, with the scoreline, um, you know, as the game started, 
it, it looked fairly like it was going to be an innocuous kind of game. Um, and then on 30 minutes, um, you know, the, I think the worst possible thing that could have happened was Kalmar going down um, with a uh, with a knee injury and being replaced by Gostag. Not, I mean, not that, you know, Gostag is a, a player we don't want on the pitch, but definitely, you know, seeing Kalmar go down and, and knowing that it was probably serious um, was difficult. And then um, really after a, a, a slow kind of plotting first half, um, uh, Nikolic set up Fiola in in first half extra time on a corner that uh, bounced to the far end of the area, um, and he uh, he kind of popped it back in, and, and Fiola got that header to to put him up one nil before halftime. Um, uh, after the break, Hungary struck quickly um, with Nikolic providing the cross for for Gajdag's header uh, to make it two nil, um, and I. I uh, uh, Klein Heisler scored a goal uh, before the hour, making it 3-0. He tapped it past uh, the goalkeeper after a nice flicked header uh, by Atelis Shalai. Um, Roland Vargas' free kick in the 90th minute came back off the bar, uh, was pushed across by Shalai to, to Nago, who swept home into an open goal for 4-0. And then uh, to, to kind of the only real blemish on the night was uh, in, in uh, extra time. Um, clear penalty, the ball uh, that was crossed into the area w- went off Hanya's outstretched arm um, that led to the penalty that made it 4-1. But again, I think uh, for for Hungary, I think it was um, it was a good result. It was a it was a good team effort. Um, a little bit of a slow start, but I think they they got their feet underneath them and 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 played fairly well to uh, to do what was probably again another very comfortable expected win. Thanks uh, again, Chris. Um, now, Tom was on commentary duty for the Poland and San Marino games, which means I got this Andorra one. And let me tell you, I was reaching for my Andorra facts uh, in the first 45 minutes until Fiola scored. Um, not very good at all, Tom, that first half. No. Um, and it's interesting because we kind of, Rossi kind of gave um, all the the players that we missed in that San Marino game, Kleinheiser and Kalmar and, and Nodge in particular, um, the start. And yeah, it was just it was just a bit too too slow again. Uh, very similar, I guess, in a, in the same way as against San Marino, just having a lot of the ball, not really doing much with it, not really being much of a threat. Um, again, not having someone like Shalai um, up top as well, um, and kind of having two uh, slow, probably fair um, assessment of the, of the two strikers. Like they're not the they're not the quickest across the ground, um, and yeah, we were just a bit too predictable. But again, I, I think these games are just tough. Um, we know that Andorra are on uh, aren't going to roll over. They only lost one nil to Albania. Um, and uh, I guess only three 0 to Poland, which isn't that bad. Like they're they're not a great team, of course, but they're they're not they're not just the a team that are just going to roll over very easily for you. And and they set up in their defensive shape and their um, combative. Like they've got a lot of under twenty one players who played in in, in a game. Um, against England under 21s um, it, it back in uh, October and they drew 3-3 against them so like 
these guys maybe aren't that bad. Maybe it's like a, a golden generation for Andorra. But um, I mean, they're still obviously a team that we should be beating quite comfortably in that first half. Yeah, it just, again, just wasn't good enough um, in in some respects. I don't want to be too harsh on, on us because, like I say, it's, these games are always tough to, to play in. Um, but yeah, um, it was a bit of a drag that first half, and and Kalmar's injury in particular was 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 quite nasty. Yeah, horrible to see that. And you know, as as you guys have said um, a little bit earlier, is that unfortunately Kalmar will miss the the European Championships. Uh, it looked horrible at the time. It's just one of those ones that makes you wince. Um, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but we, t- we spoke about. Gazdag having a poor game against San Marino. He's come into this game due to his injury and is like a brand new player. He absolutely, um, you know, one one of the uh, people who were quite worthy of a, a man of the match performance. Yeah, I think what helps Gazdag in in a game like this um, is is to the midfield that he had around him because against San Marino he had Shiger and. Uh, and Sherry in, in the first half and then he came off after about 60 minutes in the second and he was actually doing a bit better in the second half and he is a player who wants to pass and move and when when you've got two players alongside you in Kleinheiser and, and Nodge who are also pass and movers it makes you look like a better player automatically so I think it was helped by just playing around better players whereas kind of against San Marino he just wasn't and uh, he was playing it to Sherry and like I said Sherry was taking too many touches playing it to Shige and Shige's uh, I like Shige in, in, in many ways like he's defensively combative and, and he's a good ball winner but he's not the greatest on the ball and especially not in comparison to Kleinheiser and Nodge so I think it was, it was a little bit easier for God, God's dog to look good um, and and I think he's yeah he's done himself no harm in um, staking, uh, putting a stake in for um, a, ch- a chance to be in that Euro squad. I'm sure he'll be in there. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's probably our fourth choice centre mid now. Um, with Kalmar injured, I'd have him um, as a replacement for Kleinheiser or Sobosli if um, if those one of those two were to get injured. But I think I think that's probably the midfield three now: um, Kleinheiser, the Nodge, and and Sobosli, Kleinheiser, yeah, did really, really, really well in all three games. I think um, he definitely did more than more than the the others who who got their chance in in Shiga and, and I think Gazdag did well, but I, I think Kleinheiser did de- did definitely better, in it, and obviously Sherry as well. Um, so yeah, um, I, I I really like Gazdag and I, I give him a lot of praise and. Like I say, he's, he's only played a few games at international level as well. So there's, I think there's plenty more to come from. And when he's playing alongside better players, um, he, do, he does just look better. Very much so. Um, Chris, we didn't get to see too much of our defence in these last two games. Um, so when, when you are obviously playing these weaker opponents, um, you're looking for what they can kind of do distribution-wise and things like that. Um in this game in particular, Attila Salai was very, very good in that department, I thought. What about you? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and as Tom mentioned before, I think um, it's 
it's being able to win the ball and then getting it back into dangerous areas um, and uh, pass completion rates and all that kind of stuff, I think, factor in here. And to see someone like, um, you know, uh, Attila Salai and, um, you know, some of the others, uh, Fiola, really kind of getting the ball back into those dangerous areas and getting them up into the into the midfield up to the forwards and um out in the wings i think it's um uh it's definitely um definitely a positive thing to see um again like we said though before they're they're not going to be the one that's that's finishing so i think from 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 that that end of it from that aspect i think that they did everything they could you know i think it's 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 positive when we're playing um, opponents of, uh, you know, at this level. However, when we're playing games that matter, um, you know, what, what we really want to see is uh, them d- defending really well and um, blocking and stopping shots, intercepting passes, all that kind of stuff, which is obviously something they, they really didn't need to do. They weren't under a whole lot of pressure um, at all. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for what they were required to do uh, – against these last two opponents that did really well. And I also wanted to, to make a, um, uh, just a comment on Kleinheisler. You know, uh, guys, a couple of years ago, even about a year and a half ago, um, I would even say just before Rossi, who would have thought that he would come back and even have a role like this in the national team? I mean, you know, he had, he had gone uh, from, from Friday to all these different uh, places, kind of felt like he had maybe lost himself a little bit. And I just wanted to kind of throw that back out at you guys. I mean, uh, do you feel like he's come around? Do you feel like he's just kind of always been there and not tapped? What do you, what do you all think on that? Tom, you go, you go for that question, buddy. I've, I've always really liked him. I remember when he first put, broke through, like he was one of those players um, who I really, really touted as being excellent. There's there's a, a few that I've really liked when, I, when they've been young. Shall I... Colmar, um, obviously Soboslai, and and Kleinheiser was one of them. But then he went off the boil like really early, um, and couldn't even get in the Vidi team. And then when he popped up and scored that goal for Hungary that night in Norway, like the reason, the way, I mean, why he was even in that squad in the first place was ridiculous because he wasn't even playing at club level. So he's always been like one of these mercurial talents who's like has loads of ability but just for some reason just hasn't been able to apply it consistently and then obviously when he um he he did that amazing scored that amazing goal then he got the move to to germany and it didn't work out for him um and apparently he was homesick when he was in germany so then he went to astana in kazakhstan which was like a ridiculous move like if you if you were homesick in germany like what makes you think that you're not going to be homesick in <laughs> Kazakhstan. Um, and, but Astana's like a pretty good team and they were in the Champions League like semi-regularly back then. So it didn't seem like the worst move in the world. But um, I don't, well, I, th- I think things went reasonably okay, but not amazing. Now, and then he's ended up in Osijek, which the Croatian league is no joke. Um, and Osijek are doing pretty well in, in the Croatian league. Um, but, well, I mean, I mean, the, the, obviously the league is no joke because Dynamo Zagreb are in the, uh, just not out Tottenham in the Europa League and they're in the last eight of that. So like, and and I think Ozzy are actually really 
I don't know if they're top or they're definitely really close to top of the league. So like, so he's obviously playing for a decent team there, but um, I guess like his career's just like you say, has just gone in a random random way. But I think he's, I think he's definitely always had the talent. It's just kind of applying it consistently and and finding a, a role for him in the team because he's had he's always had like the technical ability. It's just like where do you play him? But now. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that he's really found himself. He's not even that old. Like, um, and I remember when when the Euros were played in 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 that first game when we were really really good against Austria. He was a marvel in that game, and unfortunately he got injured, so he, so he missed the the Belgium game in the last sixteen, and we really missed him that day. And um, I remember loads of people, like non-Hungarians, just saying. These two guys in midfield, who are these guys, Kleinizer and Notch? Because they were just, they would, they just bossed it and they looked class. Um, and yeah, the five years since that Kleinizer's kind of been dotting around, people occasionally tweet me saying, "What happened to Laszlo Kleinizer?" Like I've, I just looked at his record and he's been doing random stuff and like, it's, it's yeah, he's just not ful- fulfilled his potential. But um, it's funny that it's coming round to the Euros again and he, he's in form so he can show all those people that have been uh, might remember him from five years ago that he's still he's still a bit of a boss absolutely and you know let's think his introduction was like it was a shock to us who you know a, a kind of fed on Hungarian football it was a massive massive shock when he was in the starting 11 we were everyone was like what but you know, my goodness, did he introduce himself? And it's just, I suppose, when you set the level that high on on uh, at the beginning, you think, well, there's only one way to go. But like I said, I, I like I like his. He was a bit of a pit bull at first, wasn't he? He was kind of like you know chasing round everywhere. He he reminded me a bit of Varga in in that kind of position. But now he seems to have got like his brain switched on, and he understands the role and realizes you don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, like, yeah, I kind of alluded to about him just not have, finding that position because he kind of was, yeah, like you say, uh, just all over the place, like Varga, but without kind of like, any positional sense. It, like, because when he kind of came through, he was a little bit like a winger or a number 10. And like now all of a sudden he's, I mean, he kind of was in the Euros. He was like a, almost like playing as a, as a number six. Um Whereas, or, or like, a, well, or a six, like half between a six and an eight. And like, he now, do, yeah, I'm hoping that he's really, really found himself um, some discipline to, to play that role in a, in a way that is going to be really fruitful for the team. And it's not just, yeah, running here, there and everywhere, which we kind of were accustomed to seeing from him when he was a little bit younger. Mm, very much. Um Chris, we saw Roland Varga, um, now obviously of MT Carr, um, come on in the 60th minute or just after 60 minutes um, against Andorra. Last chance saloon for him, do you think? Um, I mean, he didn't really cover himself in any glory coming on. Do you think that's uh, the last we'll see of him? Um, I think so. I I don't... uh, I I wish I had... um, a little more information. I, I, you know, I feel like when he was with Friday, he was surrounded by better players. I kind of feel like, like at MTK, he's 
um, you know, it's not a bad team, but it's not Friday, you know? So, um, I feel like for him, he definitely has, uh, has skill. He did come out. I think he did do okay. I think, you know, he was inches away from scoring, um, at the end there, um, you know, um, clanging that shot against the, 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 the crossbar, but, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I think the team, I think there are a lot of other players that, um, are playing, you know, with a little bit more technical ability. Um, I think he's good in, in situational, uh, like, you know, late, late subs, um, where you need fresh legs and, you know, you have a guy that can score that can put in a cross or whatever, but, uh, I, I just, I don't see him as a, as a core by any sense of the imagination, a core player. Um, and I feel like, you know, moving forward, it's just going to be bit rolls, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of feel it was like Rossi looking for a bit of closure on it, you know, like um, the last hurrah, show me what you got, kid. Um, and unfortunately, you, you, you didn't. It, do, you, do you feel the same, Tom? Yeah, I just I just don't know how many other options are out there for for Rossi instead of him, though. Like, it's, it's kind of like Convies and not much else like we've obviously seen from the under 21s there's not much in there um so i think kind of varga maybe just get in there on uh by default really like garish he came on for a little bit didn't he um but yeah i just i don't think there's much else out there to be fair so i think he, he might just get in there by default unless unless um rossi wants to call in sammy smodic <laughs> I'll get on the phone to um to is Peterborough is that now isn't it? Yeah, Peterborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah Peterborough. Yeah, we'll have to get on the phone. There's um, another lad that um I saw uh in uh, at Coventry City, uh Victor Gurkes, um who is 22. Um, only played well, he's played a couple of games for Sweden, but they've both been friendlies, so he's still el- eligible to play for Hungary. Um. So yeah, I get on the blower to him. He's he's on loan from Brighton in the Prem, so um, obviously a bit of a talent. He's waiting to play with Zlatan, though, right? Well, yeah, maybe, but we could <laughs> offer him playing with uh, Valan Varga. But <laughs> tempting. His, his name is Victor, so he's off to a good start already, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. We could we could have two naturalised players. One called Orban, one called Victor. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dream, isn't it? That is the yeah. absolute dream. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm, we've got to call Rossi in the morning, I think. Um, so, guys, as we left Andorra and flew back to cold and sunny Budapest, Group I of the um, World Cup European qualifying section looks unbelievably good for us. Um, England, obviously, first place, played 3-1-3. Scored nine goals, conceded one. Um, second place is Hungary. Play three, one, two. Drawn one, scoring ten goals and conceding four. Um, this is like, th- these are the same amount of points we predicted we would have um, after this first three rounds of games. Um, hopefully predicted, let's say. We weren't too, you know, sort of sure with Poland, but Poland now sit in fourth place. They've got four points. They've got one, one, drawn one, lost one. And Albania are the team who sit third on six points. Um, it's looking good, Tom. What do you think? Yeah, I'm really excited 
for that England game in September. Like, I think once upon a time, I'd have been really fearful that we were just going to go there. Um, we were just going to host them and, and get battered. But I really feel that um, if like it's it's the first game after the Euros, which always means that like one team is like however they do, however well they do, they're going to be their players aren't going to be massively motivated for this game. And Hungary, the way that we're playing and um, the way that we played against Poland, I would honestly, this is the probably the most optimistic I've ever been on this podcast, but I would honestly not write off that Hungary beating England in that game. I feel I feel so confident about this Hungary team at the moment. Excellent stuff. And like you say, um, the confidence is, is, is flowing. Um, I put a little stat out there the other day that... Um, from the last 11 games that we've played, we've, we've lost one, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and Chris, when we look at the, the, the game, before we went on that run, we lost to Uruguay, um, which was the opening of the Pushkar Stadium in, in Budapest. We went on, followed that up by losing to Wales um, in the Euro qualifiers. And previous to that, we, we sort of narrowly beat Azerbaijan 1-0. So, um, to only have a defeat to Russia, which was a narrow one, three-two in the Nations League, this is quite phenomenal, isn't it, for us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's and we've we've talked about it before. It's a complete change in the whole mindset of who this team is and what Rossi is putting together. Um, it's just been a masterful job, I think. Not, it, it, I mean, results, of course, but the results have come from the fact that this team believes in each other you know they they go out there not thinking about oh my gosh we need to you know we need to um you know play defensively and we need to hope and and hold on for a point but they're going out there really believing they could win and that's that I, I, I share an early optimism with tom i think about uh going into the into september against england um i mean i this is way too early for um any of our prognostications i think but um you know looking ahead i think it's it's great. I, I, there's really no pressure on Hungary for the Euros. Um, I think it's going to be good for them to play the teams that they're in. I mean, they're in a group of death, and um, I don't, I don't obviously see them um, getting out of that group. And and there, there's really no expectations. And if they do, for some reason, then that, that's all gravy uh, on the turkey, so to speak. But at this point, I, I think they're 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 primed for a continuation of a good run, no matter what they do. Uh, in the Euros, um, and I think they're with their minds set on on um, qualifying out of this World Cup group. Um, they've really set themselves up exactly the way a exactly the way we thought they would, right? Uh, because we're we're really good at this, um, <laughs> and uh, you know now moving ahead, um, they just have to they just have to continue to to win the games they're supposed to win, and hopefully hopefully get. Uh, a surprise on either Poland or, or England, um, which I really look forward to with anticipation. Um, you know, thinking that they, they've surprised us so much uh, in the last year or so, um, why not? Why not do it again? Definitely. And uh, Tom, we we play a couple of friendlies fourth um, and eighth of June. We we play Cyprus and we play Ireland in the uh, and that's the Republic of Ireland, not Northern Ireland, as the Hungarian. FA tweeted out. Um, 
we play those two friendlies before we head off to the Euros. Looking at this last week of international fixtures, so my fear level has kind of gone down a bit seeing the results that Portugal, France and Germany have had in this in this like last round of games because they've been pretty terrible, haven't they, really? Yeah, no, it's especially the Germany uh, resort against uh, home to Macedonia. Uh, I know Macedonia aren't uh, as bad, or North Macedonia as they like to call themselves these days, are not as bad as, as they once were. And obviously they're in the Euros themselves, but like... It, yeah, it definitely shows that Germany are not the uh, unbeatable force that they once were. Um, Portugal, I mean, even when they won the Euros, they didn't even beat us before before winning the, the trophy itself. We know that they're brittle. They always they always are, especially early on, and we played them first in the group. Um, I I don't think there's um, that much for us to fear in that game genuinely don't I think that we could easily get a draw um the only problem is that every team is going to be massively up for the game against us because they know they have to win it if they don't win the game against us so they're going to really struggle to get through the group I think the big one that we really are going to struggle in is the France game um because how do you deal with someone like Mbappe um and and the players that they have Pogba, Griezmann, um, it's it's just it, it, their team is just ridiculous, and the amount of depth that they've got to it. If players are injured, the amount of the players that they can bring in, it's it's silly. Like how good they are. I I I kind of feel the same way with Germany, but the German team on paper isn't that great at the moment. They're not play, even playing someone like Thomas Muller, and Muller's just magnificent. So. Um, it's quite a shame that I mean we obviously have got two home games in the group but the game against Germany being away is is a little bit difficult um I mean we might not have it's probably not unlikely that we're going to have fans in there but I'm sure it's still going to have a bit of an impact that game obviously being in Germany um and that being the last game of the group I don't think we will get through the group at all um but like when this when the group was first drawn like you say, I think we all kind of looked at it with with horror, but now we're kind of looking at it with, with a bit more optimism. I think because of the recent results um, from these teams that that, uh, that we're playing, but also just the way that Hungary are playing as well. Absolutely, and that I think is the most important thing: the way that Hungary is playing, which at the minute is. I personally didn't think I would see it again in my lifetime and and we're now absolutely superb. Um, We won't talk about the under-21s in this episode. I think we we need an episode uh, all on its own to to cover the humiliation that we suffered um, hosting the tournament as well. Um, We'll definitely get into that, guys. For this episode, though, I think that's where we'll call it a day. And thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. And we look forward to seeing you on the next pod. In the meantime, stay safe and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now. Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast.